0: Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. Today, Clayton is going to be walking us through another passage from the Gospel of Mark. Clayton, can you tell us what passage we'll be talking about this week?
1: We are going to be reading Mark chapter five, and we're gonna be focusing in on the section that starts in verse 21, going to verse 43, another uh, story about Jesus here.
0: All right, you wanna tell us a little bit about the context of that passage?
1: Yeah, let me let me explain to you uh, the method that we use here for Bible Savvy. It's called the comma method. It's really simple. It's five steps that you can go through anytime you are reading uh, the, uh, something in the Bible, and you wanna go from what it says in the text to what you do in your life. And so we go through these uh, steps every single time we do this here on the podcast, and it's what we do when we're uh, doing Bible Savvy each day. And it starts with context, and that's the question about what is around the text. That's the first C. What context is, all of the information that's kind of in the background, all the information that's around it, so that when you're actually reading it, you're not taking it out of context. Most of this kind of information you can find in an introduction in a study Bible, and we also have on our website uh, links to places where you can get a lot of this information. So let me remind you about the book of Mark. The book of Mark was written by a guy named Mark who was actually a friend of the apostle Peter. So Peter is a big character in the gospels. He's one of Jesus' closest disciples, one of his best friends. And Peter is uh, after Jesus goes back to heaven, uh, gets to know Mark, and Mark gets to hear all of Peter's stories. So Peter has been telling these stories all throughout his life, and several decades later, Mark is writing them down, saying, we wanna make sure we keep all of these stories about Jesus, and so these are some of the stories that Peter himself experienced and saw, and he's told to his friend. And so, so far in the the book of Mark, what we've had is uh, Jesus has come onto the scene, and it's a, it's a really action-packed. So it starts off with Jesus saying, I'm here to announce the kingdom of God has arrived. And then he goes from town to town doing all sorts of amazing things. He's uh, performing miracles. He's teaching people about the kingdom of God. We talked about that last week. And uh, so people are gathering around. And as the book has gone on, more and more crowds have gathered around Jesus. And it's just packed. And we're going to see that in this story. The crowd is a big feature uh, of what's going to happen in this story. So, uh, with that in mind, let's hear from the passage. Eric, would you read to us?
2: Sure, I will. So, Mark chapter five, starting in verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you, go in peace, and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher any more? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum. That's Aramaic. I don't know. That's Aramaic, right? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Okay. Uh, Which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat.
1: All right. Well... This is a great story, and uh, the the first thing we do once we've read the passage, the, the next step in the comma method is O, oh, observation, and that just means looking at what's there. It's seeing what's actually in the text, and that's before you figure anything out. You're just kind of noticing things, and this is uh, in some ways the easiest part. Sometimes people overthink it a little bit, but all you're doing is saying, what, what did I actually see? What, what did it say? And some of the things we look for are things that are repeated several times. Sometimes it's things that just strike us, things that are, are interesting. When it comes to stories, a lot of times it has to do with uh, what are the characters doing? What's the conflict? How does it get resolved? And so we're just paying attention to those things. So I'll get started with one of my observations, but I'm sure there are many, and we'll, we'll hear from uh, each of us uh, what, what we see in here. One observation that I notice is this. It's actually two stories. So it's really interesting. Uh, it starts off with a story about Jairus, this man who has a problem. So he comes and he says, Hey, Jesus, can you help me with my daughter? And then uh, in between the start of that story and the resolution of that story, there's another story sandwiched in the middle. And so it's this little kind of like Oreo of a, of a story. And these uh, kind of sandwich stories actually happen a lot in the book of Mark. It's kind of one of his things. And it's one of his ways of making an interesting point by putting two things next to each other. So you got to pay attention to them to see how they compare. And so uh, I, I noticed, hey, this is one of those kind of Oreo sandwich uh, stories. Let, let's hear some of the other things you guys observed.
2: So the first thing that's uh, jumped out to me is that Jairus was a synagogue leader. Yeah. And uh, you know, when I look at the the study notes in my Bible, which is where you find a lot of the background information and the context clues, uh, I look down here and it talks about synagogue leaders, and, and that phrase uh, normally implies people in the synagogue community of wealth and status. Yeah. And so what jumps out to me is that. You know, it doesn't really matter your socioeconomic status when it comes to disease mm. or bad things happening to your family members. And a lot of times, the, the, higher, the higher we get in socioeconomic status, we start to think that our money can essentially be the problem to everything or the solution <laughs> yeah. to any problem. And it's just not true. It didn't matter how rich Jairus was, he could not find a solution to his daughter's sickness. Yeah.
0: Mm. And speaking of uh, solutions, I, I thought to myself, when, when the woman falls at Jesus' feet trembling after he actually, he's looking for her and she comes to him having you know, realized what had happened to her. And he, he says to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from suffering. I was thinking to myself like, yeah, I can imagine that she would maybe fall at his feet and be scared. Like, maybe I did something that he's going to be really upset about. Like, I reached out and I touched his clothes and maybe I shouldn't have done that. But one of the things that was interesting to me was that, why would he also say to those that came from Jairus's house, like, don't be afraid, just believe. And I thought, well, I think in a lot of times, like when you're talking about the solution is like, when when we find ourselves in a bad situation, uh, we're usually hopeful when we realize that uh, there's a solution out there for us. But in this case, like at the beginning of the story, Jairus' daughter is alive and Jesus is the solution. But then when her his daughter's dead, Jesus is no longer the solution in their mind. So they actually lose hope in that moment. A lot of times we can lose hope and become fearful when we realize like there's nothing left for us. And I think the idea of "Don't be afraid, just believe" is Jesus saying you, you need to believe that I'm capable of doing what only I can do, even when the odds seem against you. Yeah, that to me was a powerful uh, observation for me.
1: Yeah, I, I was struck by the um, the urgency of the situations. So, uh, Jairus is thinking, "My, my daughter's sick, and I need someone mm-hmm. to come." And It, it reminded me of. Uh, like if you're watching an action movie, like there's always a timer, like there's always a bomb that's gonna go off and, and there's 15 minutes and it, it like, they, they always set something like, we've got to do this in 10 minutes or two minutes or whatever. It, it feels like that, like we got to go now because my, my daughter's sick. Uh, and then the, the crowds are pressing around. So there's like an urgency of like, they all need to get their solution too. And this woman who has been waiting for 12 years. So it's, al- it's almost the opposite thing of like, like I, got, I need a solution. I'm desperate for a solution, but I've never found one. You know? So there's like the, the, the press of the urgency, but also this like last desperate hope uh, kind of thing going on there.
2: You just jumped out at me, but you know what else I'm observing? I had tacos before we started this podcast, <laughs> and, and what I'm observing right now is that that was a really bad idea. Uh, no, here's another observation. <laughs> we get Jairus's name. Yeah. Because he's a man of status. Yeah, We don't get the woman's name. Mm. No. Hmm. Um I don't know what to do with that, but yeah. I, I think one of the things that's that's uh jumping out in this story is uh status or no status. Yeah. Jesus is able. Yeah.
0: Yeah, do you see that same I, I I saw that same thing was like Jairus walks up to Jesus. And though he falls at his feet, he walks up to him, he approaches him. But the woman comes up from behind Jesus and Kind of like you know, sneak touches his clothes. Yeah. You know, it's like I'm just gonna sneak it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like she's doing something wrong. Yeah. Like, huh? You know. I I I also think the um the assumption of the disciples, like there, there there's a couple of times one where it's like Jesus, what are you talking about? Someone touched you. Like there's people all around you. Uh, there's that crowd versus the one person. Like they're saying, but it's just it's just a crowd around you. And he's saying, no, there was one person. There's one person who who like needed me, and power went out. Uh, and e- even um, it, later when it's like, oh, the the Jairus' folks come by and, oh, don't bother Jesus anymore. Don't like, don't bug him anymore. And Jesus is like, no, no, I'm gonna do this. There's a difference between the attitude of the people around about like, what uh, what willingness is there? What attention is there? Um, uh, and Jesus is saying, no, that one person who needs help, I'm gonna give them my attention. I'm gonna stop for this woman who cried out in need, who who just reached out in need. Um, that, that, that difference between the crowd versus the one, uh, strikes me as well. I, I have got one other one that I just, I just find the, the detail funny. Um, at the very end, when the, the girl has come back from the dead, it says, and make sure you give her to some, something to eat. Like it was like the urgency. is like, like being dead will work up an appetite. You know, like you were like, she's going to be hungry for breakfast when she gets up. Um, but I did, I did make a connection with that. I, I it struck me that when Jesus came back from the dead, basically every encounter with Jesus was at a meal after that. It's like, maybe he just knows, you know, it's like, he, this is just what we do. If you conquer death, you get a feast. Like you get to, you get to eat uh, right here. A- any other observations you guys want to throw in there?
2: I'm still thinking about my tacos. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, here's what I want to do. I want to take a moment and uh, move to the, the meditation portion. And this is uh, a, a time when we pause and we don't just think and talk about what we're you know seeing in the Bible, we, uh, we let it soak in. We let it, uh, it go from our head to our heart, take a, take a moment to let it become real to us in, a, in that way. And one of the ways that's really helpful to do that when you're reading a story in the Bible, a narrative is to use your imagination to say, what would it actually be like to be present there? And so you pick a character and you just say, this one person in the story, I'm gonna slow down and think, what would it be like for them? And so that's what I'm gonna have us do. I'm gonna have us think of uh, one character. I would probably recommend either uh, Jairus or the or the woman who reached out and touched Jesus. Uh, and it, But you could also pick the, the crowds or one of the disciples or uh, one of Jairus' uh, family members or any of them. But if you put yourself in that place, especially for Jairus and the woman and say, what would you have thought as Jesus did these things? How would you have felt in that moment? What feeling would you have before you encounter Jesus and what feeling would you have after that? You just pick one of those characters and think through what would it be like to be them in this moment? Well, now let's go to the next M in comma, which is message. And the way we do it is we look at the things we've observed. We don't just come up with things that we are reading between the lines. We look at what we observed and say, what's a principle that we can draw out of this and then apply to other situations? We might not be in that situation, but we can apply this to our own situations. And so here's the message I I want to zero in on today. Jesus always has time for people. Jesus always has time for people. In this, this situation where it's so urgent, there's a woman who's, a girl whose life is on the line. Uh, he's, he's on this mission to go to that person's house and, and, and take care of them. Even then, when it seems like, you no, know, you, you can wait. Like the, the, the other problems can wait. We'll, we'll line up here orderly. When that woman reaches out and says, I need help now, he helps her. He stops and he says, I wanna have a conversation with you. I wanna look you in the eye. I wanna know who you are. Jesus always has time for people. What do you guys think about that message?
2: Oh man, I have two thoughts about that. One is when I compare that to the fact that Jesus had like this laser like focus on his mission and why he came, there were times where he was intentionally away from people, yeah, but when he was around people he he was never in a hurry hmm. right? and so. So when I think about that, I think about Jesus knowing why he came and what he was about, and he was not distracted by anything trivial. So that woman is not trivial to him. Yeah. And Jairus' daughter is not trivial to him. Yeah. And teaching the disciples about his character and his nature while they're going about their day and Jesus is doing the stuff that Jesus does. Jesus was focused on that too. Yeah. All of those things are happening at the same time.
0: Yeah, I, I think when, we, when you're reading in the book of uh, reading the Gospel of Mark and you're reading all these stories of Jesus uh, teaching people or being around large uh, groups of people, there's a lot of times where there's these other stories or these other people that are kind of like creeping in and interrupting what he's doing almost. Um, but I think that's a really interesting point for our day, daily life is like when we are going around and we're doing our day-to-day tasks or we're doing work or we're doing school, you just, when you find people in need, it might sometimes feel like an interruption. Like, oh, I don't have the time or the capacity to do that, but Jesus never had that moment. He always just said, no, of course, like this this is needed right now. Yeah. You know? Someone approached him for help and he entered into that moment and met them where they were and took care of their need. And uh, I think that that's that's an important takeaway from from his uh his example of life
1: i I was thinking about how <laughs> different this is for my own attitude uh I always feel like i don't i don't have enough time like even if even if I know that's important well i i just, I just don't have enough time yeah and uh it's You've, you've heard the idea of a, an abundance mindset and a scarcity mindset. Like when you feel like things are scarce, whether it's your money or your energy or, you know, whatever it is, you, you hold it to yourself. You, you don't offer it up. You don't feel like there's enough for the other person. But in this case with time, you, you feel like Jesus ought to feel like it's scarce. Like he's on his way to save a dying girl. And Jesus only has so much time on earth. You know what I mean? So there's, there's certain things he's got to prioritize. And yet it always feels like it's abundant. He always has enough. He's, he's not running out. And I was thinking about how, um, how the, the people at Jairus' house clearly had a scarcity mindset because they, they said, well, the, the girl's dead. So that's all the time we got. We ran out of time. The, the, the countdown went off and the bomb blew up and they didn't save the day. And yet, when you can conquer death, when death isn't the end for you, then there is abundance. There's plenty of time. Jesus knows, I got more time for this girl. I can save her.
2: When you compare Jairus' daughter with the woman who touches Jesus and is healed, she was, the woman that touched Jesus' clothes and was healed, she was sick and she was healed, right? Yeah. Jairus's daughter was dead. <laughs> okay, so it's like, it's like, you ask the question, if, the gospel, if, if you could say that the gospels on a very basic level are meant to introduce us to Jesus, then it's always right to assume that whatever's in the gospel is meant to show us who Jesus is and what he's like and why he matters, right? And so what we're getting in this story is he heals the woman who's been sick for a long time and doctors couldn't heal her. And you could say, I probably have enough faith to believe that Jesus could do that. Okay, well, let me raise the stakes. <laughs> what about a dead girl? Yeah. Do you think that he, Jesus, can raise a girl from the dead, right? And so it's like, I see your faith and I raise you some death. <laughs> <laughs> um And that's the message I I take from this, is Mm -hmm. no matter how hopeless it seems, Jesus is greater. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: All right. So we have come to the A and comma. A is for application. This is where the rubber hits the road for us in our lives. And we say, not just what does it say, what does it mean, but what do we do about this? So I'm gonna open it up to you guys after looking at this passage and seeing what Jesus did, how are you going to apply this to your life? You go first, Nikki.
0: Okay, I would say um, I would say that the one thing that I wrote down was that no matter what, I can approach Jesus in faith, knowing that He's capable of meeting my needs, um, no matter what they are. There, nothing is too big or too small for Him.
2: My application. I struggle with this one um, because I don't think my application is necessarily the main message of this text, but nonetheless, I think it's embedded in the text. Yeah. Um, I don't ever want to play favorites. Hmm. Uh, there are people that have money and status and authority, and it's easy to pay more attention to those kinds of people. That woman in that crowd could have easily been ignored, yeah. but Jesus stopped and took time. And so, uh, my, my application is that in terms of following Jesus, if I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, then that means to orient my life in a way that looks like Jesus to, to the best of my ability. And that means paying attention to everybody, whether we have their name, like Jairus, or it's an unnamed person like the woman in this story.
1: For me, I'm gonna uh, be thinking about that uh, abundance and scarcity when it comes to time and, and say, I'm gonna be open to the interruptions. Uh, I'm gonna be, uh, take those things as assignments, You know that it's not just random that I ran into this person or that this need came up, but that God might actually have a purpose for those things. And rather than me being frustrated and feeling it stealing my precious time, I'm gonna say, no, God has a reason that this person walked into my office or called me or left, left me a message or, or something like that. I'm gonna say that appointment is an assignment for me uh, because i'm going to have enough time because god decided that's what you're going to be doing right now so that's how i'm going to apply this
0: good stuff all right well another great conversation from the gospel of mark thanks for walking us through that passage clayton Well friends, we hope you learned some practical ways to apply this particular passage to your life. And we hope you're encouraged to dig into the Bible savvy uh, method, the comma method for yourself this week. Uh, Join us next Monday for a new episode. Eric will be walking us through a passage from the Bible savvy reading plan. In the meantime, if you are not following along with the reading plan, you can head over to biblesavvy.com to download it and to start reading along. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.